Good morning, fellow space and time travelers, and welcome to A Course in Miracles daily reading conference call, where we read from the original edition of ACIM, which is published by Course in Miracles Society. Today we're reading two sections from Chapter 28. We're reading Section 6, um, the, alternate, the Alternative to the Dreams of Fear, and Section 7, The Secret Vows. We're reading Paragraphs 47 through 59. You can access an original edition on your device by going to jcim.net, and you'll see uh, on the menu bar online edition. However, we are more than blessed to have Reverend Regis, the uh, webmaster of uh, JCIM, and I would love to know if we have any updates uh, and anything she'd like to let us know about. Reverend Regis? Well, yes, I was thinking, I was thinking that... Um, there's an echo. Uh-oh. Is that me? Hang on. It's me. Hang on. I don't know. Uh, I did make a change. I want, first of all, I, I'm not sure everyone knows that you can get on our daily lesson mailing list. And what's awesome is these days, email comes into your phone and your iPad and your tablet. So you can have a lesson there. Uh, wherever you are. Plus, it's got the audio link, so you can, wherever you are, listen to the lesson. You can, uh, sometimes there's a video link, a YouTube video link, and you can actually, you know, watch uh, the, the words and, and hear them as well. Uh, also, Sarah's reflections are now in PDF format, so you can right-click and download, you know, when you're at your computer, you can open it with, on your tablet and read it. I read the reflections right there. So it's uh, on our website under daily uh, lessons. There's a, actually we have a little pop-up that when you go to jcim.net, there's a sign up to the daily lesson mailing that pops up. But if that doesn't pop up uh, and you go to daily lessons, it's on the menu, there is a, a chance there, uh, it says join the SIMS free mailing list you can join. What I wanted to mention is that, and I'm going to go there now, uh, this is what I use every day. I go to this page and I click email edition because uh, it has uh, it has everything right there. It has the text reading for the day. It's got the lesson, everything. Uh, I made a change yesterday. Uh, if When you receive the email, say you're on the email list. There's sometimes email servers, they truncate, they chop off. I've had people email me and say, where's, the, where's Sarah's reflections? Because it's empty. There's a link at the top that says trouble viewing. Click here. I wanted to point uh, you in that direction because then when you click that, there it is. There's everything. It, co- it goes to the web uh, edition. So, Thank you, Chris, for the opportunity to mention our daily list and uh, share it uh, far and wide. (laughs) Uh, Everyone, if you're on the list, you can share at the top. You can share it on Twitter, on LinkedIn, and Facebook, and we can get it out there. Thank you. I'm complete. Okay, thank you. uh, I'm sorry, where can I help redistribute that? Go to, I'm on daily lessons, go to the homepage. Oh yeah, um, they go to email edition with from that page from the daily lesson page email edition for today, for okay. instance, and then a, 
Yeah, email edition for, uh, what's today, Tuesday. Okay, and then I can retweet out the lesson. Yeah, see, yep, right at the top there it says, you know, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, even Google+. There's even join our mailing list there or on the left, in the left bar, all kinds of uh, there's Facebook share. Do you see that, Chris? Uh, no. You went to email edition? I'm, I, 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 you know what? I clicked so fast, I went right to the lesson. Yeah, that's right. I mean, if you go to the lesson, it should be right at the top. Mm-hmm. Email. Oh, I see. You clicked fast and went to the lesson. I see what you mean. <laughs> um, yeah, if you go uh, email edition, uh, and it has the lesson there, but the email edition has everything. It's got, you know, it's got what we mail out, <laughs> and you can share it. You don't even have to be on the mailing list if you just go to the website. But uh, I don't know. It's nice to get it in your mail. Um, email edition is the link next to Sarah's Reflections. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then then it has the Facebook. Oh, 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 oh. (laughs) And the top bar is where you can share it far and wide. Oh, this is great. Yeah. And see, this is what I use every day, and I scroll down. I read the text. When it's my turn to read, I read from here. (laughs) Um, um, You know what? If I do this, I won't mess up the the reading because I go to the PDF. Um, Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're a child of God. If you have complete trouble viewing, that's hilarious. <laughs> and I know that you wrote it. Great. <laughs> right. Reverend Pam, I, uh, I'm sorry, Reverend Regia. I'm so yeah. used to saying Reverend Pam. Reverend <laughs> Regia, I just want to thank you for this. Uh, yeah. I have used, uh, received a mailing for the last two years, and it has just been invaluable. And the changes you've made have been absolutely wonderful. Uh, so what a blessing. What a wonderful blessing this Thank is. Thank you. And uh, at the bottom of Sarah's reflection, you put a printable document. Um, we, uh, Mary and I, share your, uh, share Sarah's, Sarah, Sarah's reflections at the Wednesday night class. And, uh, it's just made it so much easier uh, to uh, print it. So uh, <laughs> I just, uh, I, it's just absolutely wonderful, and I would encourage anybody to receive the daily mailings. Uh, they're just wonderful. Thanks okay. again. Thank you, Harrison. That's so wonderful to hear. And, you know, I have to tell you, it started out, I started mailing it, oh, years ago, to just our course group. (laughs) And then I started adding people um, that I knew on whatever in the course community. And it kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So it was just our course group. And then uh, Cox thought I was spamming, so they they wouldn't send it out anymore, so we got constant contact and went on from there. I want to tell everybody, and thank you, Harrison, it's changing again, and it's going to be wonderful. We're going to have a mobile responsive template. I move, we're moving to that as the new year dawns, and so it's going to be a different format, but it's, but ho- and it, but it's going to include all the wonderful things that we have in there now. So uh, something to look forward to. I love change. 
Thank you, Harrison. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. So let's Thank make you. echo that gratitude. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Reverend Pam. Reverend, Reverend Regent. <laughs> I come to Reverend Pam too. <laughs> We're all one. <laughs> That's great. Okay, so let's see. We gather Monday through Friday from 9.15 to 10.30 a.m. We read each paragraph twice until we're finished with uh, both sections. And then we'll open up the floor for sharing. When we share, we say our first name. And then when we're finished, we let everyone know by saying, I am complete or something like that. Also, most importantly, we invite our daily lesson into our study. It's lesson number 300. Only an instant does this world endure. And then finally, we ask that you mute your phones at all times unless you're speaking by using your own mute function on your device. So at this time, before I turn the call back over to Reverend Regia, has anyone joined the call that would like to get on the reading list? This is Mary. I can read. Great. Hi, Mary. Anyone else out there? All right, so in order, we have Rob listening, and reading is Sharon, Bryce, Ida, Lee, Reverend Rita, Carl, Fran, and Mary. And in this holiest of instances, I'm turning the call back over to Reverend Rita's morning prayer. Okay. Well, we'll just take a few moments closing our eyes, drawing that awareness within, and we feel that peace that comes when we do exclude the external focus and we bring all of the focus within. And we relax the body and the breath and our thoughts. And we open to our lesson today. Only an instant does this world endure. It begins with this. This is the thought that can be used to say that death and sorrow are the certain lot of all who come here, for their joys are gone before they are possessed and or even grasped, unquote. It seems as if life were passing for me faster and faster. It's almost Christmas again. Days are getting shorter and shorter and soon all the leaves will be gone. Wasn't it just yesterday that I held my newborn son feeling the mystery of creation? It is just an instant this world endures and then, all too soon, it ends. And the lesson goes on, yet this is also the idea that lets no false perception keep you in its hold, nor represent more than a passing cloud upon a sky eternally serene. Unquote. The world ah, that does not endure is the world of false perception. Nothing unreal exists, truly exists. Everything finite will end and pass away, and that which is eternal shines forever. Only an instant does my misperception last. If I but behold the real world of love, then the clouds will part, 
and I will feel complete serenity. And it is this serenity we seek, unclouded, obvious and sure today. And so we pray, Father, Mother God, we seek your holy world today, for we, your loving sons, have lost our way a while, but we have listened to your voice and learned exactly what to do to be restored to heaven and our true identity. And we give thanks today. The world endures, but for an instant, we would go beyond that tiny instant to eternity. And so it is. Amen. 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 Thank you, Reverend Richa. Beautiful. Thank you, Reverend Richa. Yeah. Thank you, Reverend Thank Richa. you, Reverend Richa. Thank you. Chapter 28, The Undoing of Fear. Section 6, The Alternate to Dreams of Fear, Chapter 47. Excuse me, Paragraph 47. What is a sense of sickness but a sense of limitation, of a splitting off and separating from? A gap perceived between yourselves and what is seen as health. The good is seen outside, the evil in. And thus is sickness separating off the self from good and keeping evil in. God is the alternate to dreams of fear. Who shares in them can never share in him. But who withdraws his mind from sharing them is sharing him. There is no other choice except you share it. Nothing can exist. And you exist because God shared his will with you that his creation might create. Sharon, 47 and 48, please. What is a sense of sickness but a sense of limitation? Of a splitting off and separating from? A gap perceived between yourselves and what is seen as health? The good is seen outside the evil in, and thus is sickness separating off the self from good and keeping evil in. God is the alternate to dreams of fear. Who shares in them can never share in him, but who withdraws his mind from sharing them is sharing him. There is no other choice except you share it Nothing can exist. And you exist because God shared his will with you that his creation might create. It is a sharing of the evil dreams of hate and malice, bitterness and death, of sin and suffering and pain and loss that makes them real. Unshared, they are perceived as meaningless. The fear is gone from them because you did not give them your support. Where fear is gone, their love must come because there are but these alternatives. Where one appears, the other disappears. And which you share becomes the only one you have. You have the one which you accept because it is the only one you wish to have. You share no evil dreams if you forgive the dreamer and perceive that he is not the dream he made. 
and so he cannot be a part of yours from which you both are free. (sighs) Forgiveness separates the dreamer from the evil dream and thus releases him. Thank you, Sharon. Bryce, 48 and 49, please. It is the sharing of the evil dreams of hate and malice, bitterness and death, of sin and suffering and pain and loss that makes them real. Unshared, they are perceived as meaningless. The fear is gone from them because you did not give them your support. Where fear has gone, their love must come because there are but these alternatives. Where one appears, the other disappears. And which you share becomes the only one you have. You have the one which you accept because it is the only one you wish to have. You share no evil dreams if you forgive the dreamer and perceive that he is not the dream he made. And so he cannot be a part of yours from which you both are free. Forgiveness separates the dreamer from the evil dream and thus releases him. 49. Remember, if you share an evil dream, you will believe you are the dream you share. And fearing it, you will not want to know your own identity because you think that it is fearful. And you will deny your capitalist self and walk upon an alien ground which your creator did not make and where you seem to be uh, something you are not. You will make war upon your capital S self, which seems to be your enemy, and will attack your brother as a part of what you hate. There is no compromise. You are your capital S self or an illusion. What can be between illusion and the truth? A middle ground where you can be a thing that is not. You must be a dream and cannot be the truth. Thank you, Bryce. Ida, 49 and 50, please. 49. Remember, if you share an evil dream, you will believe you are the dream you share. And fearing it, you will not want to know your own identity because you think that it is fearful. And you will deny yourself and walk upon an alien ground which your creator did not make and where you seem to be a something you are not. You will make war upon yourself, which seems to be your enemy, and will attack your brother as a part of what you hate. There is no compromise. You are yourself or an illusion. What can be between illusion and the truth? The middle ground where you can be a thing that is not you must be a dream and cannot be the truth. 
50. You have conceived a little gap between illusions and the truth to be the place where all your safety lies and where yourself is safely hidden by what you have made. Here is a world established that is sick, and this is the world the body's eyes perceive. Here are the sounds it hears, the voices which its ears were made to hear. Yet sights and sounds the body can perceive are meaningless. It cannot see or hear. Excuse me. It cannot see nor hear. It does not know what seeing is, what listening is for. It is as little able to perceive as it can judge or understand or know. Its eyes are blind, its ears are deaf. It cannot think, and so it cannot have effects. Thank you, Ida. Lee, 1551, please. You have conceived a little gap between illusions and the truth to be the place where all your safety lies and where your self is safely hidden by what you have made. Here is a world established that is sick, and this the world the body's eyes perceive. Here are the sounds it hears, the voices which its ears were made to hear. Yet sights and sounds the body can perceive are meaningless. It cannot see nor hear. It does not know what seeing is, what listening is for. It is as little able to perceive as it can judge or understand or know. Its eyes are blind. Its ears are deaf. It cannot think. And so it cannot have effects. 51. What is there God created to be sick? And what that he created not can be. Let not your eyes behold a dream. Your ears bear witness to illusion. They were made to look upon a world that is not there, to hear the voices that can make no sound. Yet there are, yet are there, other sounds and other sights which can be seen and heard and understood. For eyes and ears are senses without sense, and what they see and hear they but report. It is not they that hear and see, but you who put together every jagged piece, each senseless scrap and shred of evidence and make a witness to the world you want. Let not the body's eyes and ears perceive these countless fragments seen within the gap which you imagined and let them persuade their maker his imaginings are real. Thank you, Lee. Reverend Regis, 51 and 52, please. Thank you, 51. What is there God created to be sick? And what that he created not can be? Let not your eyes behold a dream. 
your ears bear witness to illusion. They were made to look upon a world that is not there, to hear the voices that can make no sound. Yet there are other sounds and other sights which can be seen and heard and understood. For eyes and ears are senses without sense. And what they see and hear, they but report. It is not they that hear and see, but you, who put together every jagged piece, each senseless scrap and shred of evidence, and make a witness to the world you want. Let not the body's ears and eyes perceive these countless fragments seen within the gap which you imagined, and let them persuade their maker his imaginings are real. 52. Creation proves reality because it shares the function all creation shares. It is not made of little bits of glass, a piece of wood, a thread or, per, or two perhaps all put together to attest its truth. Reality does not depend on this. There is no gap which separates the truth from dreams and from illusions. Truth has left no room for them in any place or time, for it fills every place and every time and makes them wholly indivisible. Thank you, Reverend Rita. Carl, 52 and 53, please. Creation proves reality because it shares the function all creation shares. It is not made of little bits of glass, a piece of wood, a thread or two perhaps, all put together to attest its truth. Reality does not append, depend on this. There is no gap which separates the truth from dreams and from illusions. Truth has left no room for them in any place or time, for it fills every place and every time and makes them wholly indivisible. 53. You who believe there is a little gap between you do not understand that it is here that you are kept as prisoners in a world perceived to be existing here. The world you see does not exist because the place where you perceive it is not real. The gap is carefully concealed in fog, and misty pictures rise to cover it with vague, uncertain forms and changing shapes, forever unsubstantial and unsure. Yet in the gap is nothing and there are no awesome secrets and no darkened tombs where terror rises from the bones of death. Look at the little gap, and you behold the innocence and emptiness of sin that you will see within yourself when you have lost the fear of recognizing love. Thank you, Carl. Fran, 53, please. You who believe there is a little gap between you do not understand that it is here that you are kept as prisoners in a world perceiving to be existing here, perceived to be existing here. The world you see does not exist because the place where you perceive it is not real. The gap is carefully concealed in fog and misty pictures rise to cover it with vague, uncertain forms and changing shapes, forever unsubstantial and unsure. Yet in the gap is nothing. There are no awesome secrets, no darkened tombs, 
where terror rises from the bones of death. Look at the little gap, and you behold innocence and emptiness of sin that you will see within yourself when you have lost the fear of recognizing love. Well, thank you, Fran. Look at the little gap, and you behold the innocence and the emptiness of sin that you will see within yourself when you have lost the fear of recognizing love. Let's open up the floor before we go on to the next reading. Uh, this Reverend Regia Joy, and I, what came to mind in reading this, once again, was near-death experience, or at least out-of-the-body experience, where people are able to hear and see, and there are things that their body, which is somewhere else, uh, can't, it can't possibly see. Also, when people who are blind can see, uh, when they are coming from that which sees, not the eyes, not the body. So that's what came to mind. I think that's pretty wonderful. It's, I'm hearing again and again that the body is neutral. <laughs> and we have, as we learned, gave, gave it the, it's the hero of our dream. And we are disengaging. I feel slowly we're disengaging from how we have looked at it for so long and how the world, a big part of it, keeps looking at it. But we're disengaging and we're asking to see it differently. We're having the courage to disengage from our misperception. And I'm I'm complete. Thank you. Thank you, Reverend Rita. Thanks, Reverend Rita. Hi, this is Ida, and uh, made me think of just just now, uh, just previous um, speaker, that um, uh, about last year or so, I heard of uh, saw a video about uh, this Russian guy, adult guy, who was teaching children how to read with their eyes completely blindfolded, and I saw these children heard them reading and and. It was so interesting that one of the girls would uh, she would have the book about a couple of feet away from her, but at some point she would like turn the book to her left, <laughs> or you know, as if she could see better from the left side. Like, how could she see better from the left side if she's not seeing with her physical eyes? You know, and I don't know. This may not have much to do with the reading, but I thought of it, so I thought I just share. I thank you. I'm complete. Thanks, Ida. Thank you, Ida. Thank you, Ida. Fascinating. This is Lee. There's a there's a phrase in this uh, in this reading that um, echoed um, in a very early lesson, lesson three, and and I thought I'd share uh, where that uh, where that appears. We have in um, we have in paragraph 51. After being told that the body's senses were made to look upon a world that is not there, and to hear the voices that can make no sound, 
yet are there other sounds and other sights which can be seen and heard and understood. We see that same reference, that same idea that the body directs me to um, regard things that were fabricated and illusory, but that there is something available to us. That there's something available to us um, that is the alternative to those illusory senses. In the recap of the workbook for lesson three, three is I do not understand anything I see. I'm told, how could I understand what I see when I have judged it amiss? What I see is the projection of my own errors of thought. I do not understand what I see because it is not understandable. There is no sense in trying to understand it, but there is every reason to let it go and make room for what can be seen and understood and loved. I can exchange what I see now for this merely by being willing to do so. Is not this a better choice than the one I made before? He starts in so early in the workbook with trying to persuade me that what I've seen has been false and that I would uh, release what I've seen and the way I've seen it and invite this vision that would bring what can be seen and understood and loved. One of the comments I would make is that this uh, early section as we lead into the next begins to feature what the body is and what it isn't and how I misperceive the body as we head into these next several paragraphs the word it in reference to the body is used uh, two or three well probably two dozen times and I just uh, wanted to highlight that it might be helpful as we read these next three paragraphs to remember that it's the body that we're referring to by the word it. I'm complete, thanks. Thank you, Lee. Oh, thank you, Lee. Thanks for the it thing. Great. Yeah, thank you, Lee. Thank you, Lee. This is Carl. The first uh, two, two and a half paragraphs uh, really uh, emphasize for me uh, the process of sharing, which is really uh, automatic. We, we either share thoughts that are real or thoughts that are false. And, um, and, and that's why we are, are guided, or it is suggested that we watch our thoughts. He says um, that there is no choice except you share it. And, and um, as we share, I mean, as we think and as we do, we are 
adding to the collective consciousness and we have a a very a, a really positive effect on the the collective as we share thoughts and share actions that support love and uh, we in, reinforce the collective consciousness in its illusory state as we share thoughts of fear and actions of fear. Uh, he says here in 48, it is the sharing of evil dreams of hate and malice, bitterness and death, of sin and suffering and pain and loss that makes them real. Unshared, they are perceived as meaningless. The fear is gone from them because you did not give them support. Um, that's really, for me, a comment on if, if there are thoughts of fear, um, if we don't, we don't give them any meaning, then they really aren't shared uh, because we've not given them, we've not made them real. And, uh, and then he goes on to say where fear has gone, where we don't share fear, for me, those are my words, where fear has gone, their love must come because there are but these alternatives. Where one appears, the other disappears. And which you share becomes the only one you have. You have the one which you accept because it is the only one you wish to have. You share no evil dreams if you forgive the dreamer and perceive that he is not the dream he made. So as we um, interact with our brothers, if we keep in mind that, that uh, perhaps his fear which he may be expressing is not truly who he is and see through that to the Christ in him, then we're not going to share that dream that uh, he's participating in. And so he cannot be a part of yours. His dream cannot be a part of his if we see him for who he truly is, from which you both are free. Forgiveness separates the dreamer from the evil dream and thus releases him. And then, remember, if you share an evil dream, you will believe that you are the dream you share. So for me, that's kind of like the, the mechanics of how consciousness is changing, because I, frankly, I think it is changing. And, and as we become closer and closer to the truth, we are helping to change the collective consciousness into one of love. I'm complete. Thanks, Carl. Thank you. Yeah, thank hey, you, Carl. Carl. I love that. Thank you. Thanks for featuring that it's that it's really pointing out the mechanics. You're like a procedural way to a procedural um, method. Thank you.
who's had her up there. No, no, Lee, this is Ida. I interrupted you. You didn't interrupt me. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Carl. The mere, the mere um, words of you saying my brothers shifted me into the mechanics of what you're talking about. And then I just, and, and just to wrap it up, I just love this very last not line that says, look at the little gap and you behold the innocence and emptiness of sin that you will see within myself. I'm getting it. <laughs> I'm complete. The, um, the single sentence that stands out for me that I think is so um, um, freeing and so hopeful is the sentence, um, maybe someone can direct me to the one that says, there is no choice between, here it is, and 48. Forgive me, I don't know who highlighted it. Carl, perhaps you. When fear has gone, their love must come. I think it was you. But that, um, that single sentence, where fear has gone, their love must come, because there are but these alternatives. Um, there's such power and force in that single sentence, because it tells me there is no neutral ground he can tell me objects that I've endowed with fear are actually neutral, but he never tells me that, my, that I was built to have neutral feelings. And what I've done at the ego's insistence is take on a belief in the world that with, withholds love from me. It keeps love at bay because I'm so fearful of love. That's what that last sentence of this section really is referring to. I'm so fearful of love. But if I can hit an unguarded moment where that fear is not holding love at bay, then anywhere fear goes, love is what rushes in. Love is the natural condition. Fear is an unnatural imposition that keeps love away. And um, and, I, and I wish I could I could do more to share how much and in what way that came to me, but it's um, it's one of the most uh, important and uh, freeing lessons that I've learned from this course. In any instance where I know I'm racked with fear, and I actually ask and have that fear removed, what happens is the heart explodes with all that's ready to come rushing in to heal. Thanks, I'm complete. To bring you something from 2,022 years ago, in round figures, this heaven will pass away, and the heaven above it will pass away. And here's that either or. The dead are not alive. The living will not die. When you ate what was dead, you made it alive. What will you do when you're enlightened? On the day when you were one, you became two. Now that you are two, what will you do? 
The answer to that is study A Course in Miracles. I'm complete. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Lee. Thank you, Rob. Well, now that there is time, but shall we move on to the secret vows? Fran, 54, please. The secret vows. Who punishes the body is insane. For here the little gap is seen, and yet it is not here. It has not judged itself, nor made itself to be what it is not. It does not seek to make of pain a joy and look for lasting pleasure in the dust. It does not tell you what its purpose is and cannot understand what it is for. It does not victimize because it has no will, no preferences, and no doubts. It does not wonder what it is, and so it has no need to be competitive. It can be victimized but cannot feel itself as victim. It accepts no role, but does what it is told without attack. Thank you, friend. Um, Mary, 54 and 55, please. Who punishes the body is insane. For here the little gap is seen, and yet it is not here. It has not judged itself nor made itself to be what it is not. It does not seek to make of pain a joy and look for lasting pleasure in the dust. It does not tell you what its purpose is and cannot understand what it is for. It does not victimize because it has no will, no preferences, and no doubts. It does not wonder what it is, and so it has no need to be competitive. It can be victimized, but cannot feel itself as victim. It accepts no role, but does what it is told without attack. (coughs) Excuse me. Fifty-five. It is indeed a senseless point of view to hold responsible for sight, a thing that cannot see and blame it. I'm sorry, I'll have to pass. Thank you. All right, Upton, uh, let's see. And cannot see and blame it for the sounds that you do not like, although it cannot hear. It suffers not the punishment you give because it has no feeling. It behaves in ways you want but never makes the choice. It is not born and does not die. It can but follow aimlessly the path on which it has been set. And if that path is changed, it walks as easily another way. It takes no sides and judges not the road it travels. 
It perceives no gap because it does not hate. It can be used for hate, but it cannot be hateful made thereby. Okay, so do we have some new readers, please, for 55 and 56? This is Harrison, not will read. Thanks, Harrison. It is indeed at Cicelin's point of view to hold responsible for sight a thing that cannot see and blame it for the sounds you do not like, although it cannot hear. It suffers not the punishment you give because it has no feeling. It behaves in ways you want, but never makes the choice. It is not born and does not die. It can but follow aimlessly the path on which it has been set. And if that path is changed, it walks as easily another way. It takes no size and judges not the road it travels. It perceives no gap because it does not hate. It can be used for hate, but it cannot be hateful made thereby. The thing you hate and fear and loathe you and want, the body does not know. I'll read that again. The thing you hate and fear and loathe and want the body does not know. You send it forth to seek for separation and to be a separate thing. And then you hate it, not for what it is, but for the uses you have made of it. You shrink from what it sees and what it hears and hates its frailty and littleness and you despise its acts, but not your own. It sees and acts for you. It hears your voice, and it is frailed a little by your wish. It seems to punish you, and thus deserves your hatred for the limitations which it brings to you. Yet, you have made of it a symbol for the limitations which you want your mind to have and see and keep. Thank you, Harrison. Is there a new reader, please, for 56 and 57? This is Anna. I can read. Thanks, Anna. Go ahead, please. No, please, Anna. Hurry it up, too. Okay, so let's do Anna, 56 and 57, then Saeed, 57, 58. Okay, 56. The thing you hate and fear and loathe and want, the body does not know. You send it forth to seek for separation and to be a separate thing. And then you hate it not for what it is, but for the uses you have made of it. You shrink from what it sees and what it hears and hate its frailty and littleness. And you despise its acts, but not your own. It sees and acts 
for you. It hears your voice, and it is frail and little by your wish. It seems to punish you and thus deserve your hatred for the limitation which it brings to you. Yet you have made of it a symbol for the limitations which you want your mind to have and see and keep. The body represents the gap between the little bit of mind you call your own and all the rest of what is really yours. You hate it, yet you think it is yourself and that without it, yourself would be lost. This is the secret vow which you have made with every brother who would walk apart. This is the secret oath you take again whenever you perceive yourself attacked. No one can suffer if he does not see himself attacked and lose and losing by attack. Unsatiated and unheard in consciousness in every pledge to sickness. Yet it is a promise to another to be hurt by him and to attack him in return. Thanks, Anna. Shari, 57 and 58, please. The body represents the gap between the little bit of mind you call your own and all the rest of what is really yours. You hate it, yet you think it is yourself and that without it would yourself be lost. This is the secret vow which you have made with every brother who would walk apart. This is the secret oath you take again whenever you perceive yourself attacked. No one can suffer if he does not see himself attacked and losing by attack. Unstated and unheard in consciousness is every pledge to sickness. Yet it is a promise to another to be hurt by him and to attack him in return. 58. Sickness is anger taken out upon the body so that it will suffer pain. It is the obvious effect of what was made in secret in agreement with another's secret wish to be apart from you, and you would be apart from him. Unless you both agree that it is your wish, it can have no effects. Whoever says, there is no gap between my mind and yours, has kept God's promise, not his tiny oath to be forever faithful unto death. And by his healing is his brother healed. Thank you, Sai. And do we have a new reader for 58 and 59, please? All right, Bryce, 58 and 59, please. Bryce, you still with us? I will do it. Okay. <clears throat> 58. Sickness is anger taken out upon the body so that it will suffer pain. 
is the obvious effect of what was made in secret in agreement with another secret wish to be apart from you as you would be apart from him. Unless you both agree that this is your wish, it can have no effects. Whoever says there is whoever says there is no gap between my mind and yours has kept God's promise, not his tiny oath to be forever faithful unto death. And by his healing is his brother healed. <clears throat> Fifty nine. Let this be your agreement with each one, that you be one with him and not apart. And he will keep the promise that you make with him because it is the one which he has made to God as God has made to him. God keeps his promises. His son keeps his. In his creation did his father say, You are beloved of me and I of you forever. Be you perfect as myself, for you can never be apart from me. His son remembers not that he replied, I will though in that promise he was born. Yet God reminds him of it every time he does not share a promise to be sick, but lets his mind be healed and unified. His secret vows are powerless before the will of God, whose promises he shares, and what he substitutes is not his will, who has made promise of himself to God. Thank you, Ina. And Lee, 59, please. Let this be your agreement with each one, that you be one with him and not apart. And he will keep the promise that you make with him because it is the one which he has made to God as God has made to him. God keeps his promises. His son keeps his. In his creation did his father say, you are beloved of me, and I of you forever. Be you perfect as myself, for you can never be apart from me. His son remembers not that he replied, I will, though in that promise he was born. Yet God reminds him of it every time he does not share a promise to be sick, but lets his mind be healed and unified. His secret vows are powerless before the will of God whose promises he shares. And what he substitutes is not his will who has made promise of himself to God. Thank you, Lee. The floor is open. Good morning, everybody. This is Bryce. Uh, so grateful to be here. <clears throat> um, this last paragraph is it's very significant to me. It uh, defines my creation. And... must be my testimony. Uh, forgetting this, I think, is what sickness is. Uh, the quote, you are 
beloved of me, and I of you forever. Be you perfect as myself, for you can never be apart from me. <laughs> uh, previous in the section, it mentions in paragraph 55, it says, It is indeed a senseless point of view to hold responsible for sight a thing that cannot see and blame it for the sounds you do not like, although it cannot hear. <clears throat> responsible for sight is for me the most profound and most important understanding that I personally have gained from the Course. And for me, it centers on a belief that I am never victim. And that's what I think the this, this section, especially the first paragraph, really uh, explains about the body. First of all, the body has um, no understanding within and of itself. And what what I've done when I've given physical, my, given sight to my physical experience, and I've forgotten who I am in my creation, I have given responsibility uh, to something that is causeless, <clears throat> and I have projected myself into that as a form of forgetting of, um, and, and giving an identity to something that um, isn't, isn't real. And sickness, for me, is... Um, is is forgetfulness of who I am and what this last paragraph would offer me is to, to be clear that responsibility for sight is centered in the clarity of knowing who I am. And if I don't have that, then everything I see is illusion. <clears throat> so I just want to uh, try to wrap this up up briefly, and um, recognize that my agreements with you are how I experience myself. Just as it says here, uh, um, that uh, and 59 says, let this be your agreement with each one, that you be one with him and not apart. Uh, my intimacy with each of you um, is critical for my, for love to dawn upon my mind. I need you guys to help me to know myself as God loves me and how valuable it is that we are all one and yet, this body sickness experience that we've imagined, that I've imagined, is really a way of trying to separate myself uh, from my Creator, from from each of you. And and, and yet, the, the 
other thing I really wanted to say, and this came up yesterday for me, and that this I'll I'll finish up with this. There's a part of me that seems to be a victim of not understanding this and thus feeling as though I'm here having an experience at times that is not one that I've chosen. And that at least for me, there's, there's something very important for me to really comprehend that helps me with an understanding of that statement, I will. His son remembers not that he replied, I will. When I comprehend that I have stated in eternity, I will, I, I made a promise to God and in that promise I was created and I do that every time I remember my creator. And so I have to just recognize that my experience here is my will. That I am here by an act of my will. And it's so important for me because sickness is some kind of an insane idea that I would be victim to something that I did not choose. And so for me, just I know I keep saying this is the last thing I want to say. Uh, the the remembering that I'm loved by my Creator is the only thing that will transform my mind, that will heal my separation, that will reverse the effects of what I have classed as sickness. The body is not the sickness. It's the declassification of who I am into a body and making myself somehow a victim, being separate, which is false. My will in being and having this experience must have been for my good. And that's the thing that I must continue to, to cling to for me to find freedom from illusion that illusion really is something I have made up. It is not, I'm not a victim of illusion. Illusion is something in my mind I made up and I can just as easily let it go by not reinforcing it and giving rise to the truth, that wish to know love more than everything else is is the victory for me today. Thanks. I'm complete. Sorry to be so late. No, no, you're right. You need to be sorry because you, what a great um, spoken word for us today because um, you've already studied this course perhaps for a long time, but definitely very intensely um, to wrap up. Um, this section, and I thought about, and this is Ida, by the way, and um, I thought about sickness and healing a lot this week, and then um, I talked to a leader of one of the ACIM groups that I go to, it's not the original edition, but 
about what he would have to say about what the course says on on sickness and talk about other things that are in the course, but not. I mentioned something about agreement, but he he didn't mention it. So obviously, I need to be with you guys to hear that right now. It's all my choice, but of course, it doesn't seem like my choice when I get sick or I feel attacked and get. And I have these, you know, magic pills that I believe in, and and so they work in it, and that I believe that when I don't take them, I will suffer bad effects, and so I do. And yet that the idea that I just decided all this stuff, and it wouldn't be true for me if I didn't decide it, is something I want to believe, but uh, it's obviously something I don't believe yet. So I muscle test every day for my wonderful supplements and 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 when I take the ones that test are strong, they work and they do you know and it's just it's good, but it's kind of crazy too. And as I'm learning this, I'm sure that my behavior out there in the world in my my life, as it appears to me now, will change. But um, so that's where I stand right now. So. Again, Bryce um, and everybody, thank you, and I'm complete. Thanks, Ida. Thank you, Ida. Thank you, Ida. It's Lee. The um, the the title of this section, the Secret Vows. Um, I just want to suggest as a takeaway, um, when we think back to this section, he's very very clear about what the secret vows are, and he. And he starts into that with 57 about midway through when he says, this is the secret vow which you've made with every brother who would walk apart. The secret oath you take again whenever you perceive yourself attacked. No one can suffer if he does not see himself attacked and losing by attack. So how does this tie into the secret vow? In the last sentence he says, the vow is a promise to another to be hurt by him and to attack him in return. That's my secret vow with every brother who would walk apart. He goes right to the solution for that in 58. Just over halfway through where he says, whoever says, there's no gap between my mind and yours has kept God's promise, not his tiny oath to be forever faithful unto death. And by his healing is his brother healed. As we read yesterday, when I withdraw my participation in a mutual lock in a dream of fear, the dream of fear is dispelled because it's the mutual agreement that makes um, any dream of fear seem capable of real cause and real effects. So in 59, he just follows up on that and says, let this be your agreement instead of that secret vow with each one, that you be one with him and not apart. And he will keep the promise that you make with him because it's the one which he has made to God as God has made to him. This is the, this is the means by which 
I invite the closing of that little gap that I had insisted remain between my brother and myself. And when we go back to what that vow is, the vow that I be offended by what you do, it's a vow that I always be guided by the ego and that I respond from the ego. That's my vow in separation. This vow that I've made to God that led to my creation is the one that is the alternative, the alternative to dreams of fear. Thanks, I'm complete. Thank you, Lee. Thank you, Lee. This is Harrison. I just want to thank Bryce for his share. Thank you, Bryce. Thank you, Lee. Thank you, Harrison, and thank you, Lee, for um, having an organized mind of all these sections. Sometimes I just I feel into this stuff, and uh, I appreciate the uh, the organization of your experience with the course and how you help break it down for me. It's very helpful. Thank you. I'm glad you're here this morning, Harrison. Bless you. Thanks, Bryce. Reverend Regent, what do you say? What's to pray on today? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Okay, well, we'll end our time together with uh, just a, a gathering within to the oneness that we share, the one self. There's one sun, one self, united with our creator. Today, we learned of the secret vow we made. So today I, I come to know my body as wholly neutral. It is I who give it all the meaning that it has. I tell it what to see and hear. I give it all the limitations that it has. And then it is I who hate it for limiting me and for making me suffer pain. Quote, Yet you have made it a symbol for the limitations which you want your mind to have and see and keep. Unquote. I am choosing limitation out of fear of my magnificence. Wouldn't my magnificence put a burden on me? Wouldn't it separate me from those I love? Wouldn't it demand a sacrifice? of what I cherish in this world, yet, quote, only an instant does this world endure, unquote. I am trading infinite peace and love for temporary strife. This sense of isolation and separation has felt so real and has brought so much anger that I have decided to take it out on my body let it suffer pain. And to this there is agreement and acceptance with all of those who are like me, who suffer and lash out 
This is our secret vow that we join in keeping the separation real. Yet, what if we both chose to let the fear and the anger and the angst go? What if we let all of what we thought was so go? And look again with our heart of hearts to that which we share. What if we let God be? We are one self united with each other and with our source. We live forever in the arms of God, eternally protected and loved. There is no death. We read today, sickness, this is a quote, sickness is anger taken out upon the body so that it will suffer pain. It is the obvious effect of what was made in secret, in agreement with another secret wish to be apart from you as you would be apart from him. Unless you both agree that is your wish, it can have no effects. Whoever says, quote, there is no gap between my mind and yours, unquote, has kept God's promise, not his tiny oath to be forever faithful unto death. And by his healing is his brother healed, unquote. And so we pray, Father, Mother, God, what is healing but the remembrance of our true identity? I am not a body. I am free. I am still as God created me and will be forever. And I am one with my brother. You tell me today that God keeps his promises and his son keeps his. I ask, what is it that we have promised one another? And I hear your words through Elder Brother. Quote, In his creation did his father say, You are my beloved. You are beloved of me, and I of you forever. Be you perfect as myself, for you can never be apart from me. His son remembers not that he replied, I will, though in that promise he was born. Yet God reminds him of it every time he does not share a promise to be sick and let his mind be healed and unified. His secret vows are powerless before the will of God, whose promises he shares. And what he substitutes is not his will, who has made promise of himself to God. And so it is. Amen. 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 Thank you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Reverend Richard. Thanks, everybody. Amen. Thank you, Reverend Richard.